Hello, friends, and welcome once again to the Perfect Bound Podcast. This is a podcast all about anything and everything comic books and comics related, brought to you by the Panel Jumper and Comic Dungeon. My name is Ben. With me, as always, is Chris Casso. Hello. And Mr. Cole Hornaday. Hey, Ben. Not with us today is Nicole Lamb. She's on vacation this week, apparently traveling to Serengeti, making friends with a bunch of tigers and elephants i think i saw on her and instagram zebras. did you guys see the picture zebras. of the mutant zebras I it's actually it's a there's a zebra foal and it's actually polka dotted i am not joking around it's like <laughs> this beautiful black color with white polka dots and stripes hmm. okay we'll put it in the show notes but it was i i, I saw it on social media this today. is an actual thing and yeah, not i saw it on social media so it's so it's you know so it's it has real. to be true yeah, okay yeah. but okay i'll find the polka zebra pictures anyway maybe <laughs> nicole will see the polka zebra all right yeah but there's a uh yeah so uh so it's just the three of us i feel like i should be having a drink in front of me since it's uh the stumblebound crew but we're not doing that this time we're just Aww. doing a regular show uh, <laughs> cole's disappointed i got some booze in the back i could fix this <laughs> <laughs> all right for the next episode, the next episode. Yeah. there because you go she's anyway gonna be, we're gonna be missing her for three whole weeks yeah. so. well but yeah. she will be back next week anyway let's get on okay. with the show friends uh Grant Morrison and Zermanico, which uh, I had never heard of this artist before, but apparently he's uh, he's done injustice there. Mm-hmm. Uh, DC's announced that uh, Morrison and Zermanico are next going to set the stage for Green Lantern Black Stars, a three-issue series um, uh, which spirals out of the events of the 12th and final issue of the Green Lantern in October, which will reveal that Hal Jordan has somehow altered history and caused the Green Lanterns to never exist. Again? <laughs> well, see, here's the thing. We've been doing this show for how many years now? Mm-hmm. And it's getting to the point where I've not been paying attention to comics all that uh, all that long in my lifetime, I'm starting to see storylines see the trends up yeah. here. Yeah. And, and, yeah, yeah. So I can't imagine the hell that you guys are going through. Yeah, yeah. it's uh, it's miserable. But I didn't realize that the the Morrison run was was uh, had a it was finite. I didn't either. Although didn't my, anybody, my bet will be he'll do this three issue thing and then they'll just relaunch into course, another one. Right. You know, and I've enjoyed um, his launch, but. I think what I've enjoyed about it is, you know, he has this real affection for Silver Age wackiness, yeah. and he incorporates all of his metaphysical personal beliefs um, into his comics, and also his Silver Age uh, uh, love, his love of that Silver Age, um, I just call it wackiness, I need a better adjective, but... Uh, that's, and that's accurate, been, though. <laughs> yeah, and it's, you know, like there's the green, there's a, a Green Lantern who's like a living um, earthquake, or a living volcanic eruption. The volcanic yeah, eruption, he's like a, yeah. a living um, geologic event, and he's you know the size and frame of a of a big human being, but he's got this uh, volcanic plume over him. And when he's talking, there are little sounds of eruption in his word bubbles, and he'll say, "I," pop, 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 you know, and yeah. I, I I can hear his rumbling and uh, geologic events in his <laughs> dialogue. So Morrison's been writing a really fun comic Just book and I am fun, really yeah. curious what he's going to do with the the Dark Stars series because mm-hmm. Dark Stars have always been like a, a dead zone of storytelling to me. Yeah. Um, and it's the, the funny thing is is that I'm having a lot of customers be like eh don't put me down for that and mm-hmm. it's just like but it's part of the main run that you're really into. Mm-hmm. I guess a lot of people are just, you know, tired of being stretched thin on all this stuff. I understand. Well, there is um, a different artist on Black Stars. There's that as well. But it's still just one of those, like, uh, Green Lantern is basically our 
second best-selling consistent DC comic. Hmm. I say that because Doomsday Clock is best-selling when it exists. <laughs> so otherwise, Batman generally has it, and then right now, Green Lantern. Um, and so it's just a lot of people are pretty dedicated to it. Those numbers maintain. It's just everybody's just like, on this one. Are you getting consistent reasons why they want to step away from it? Not really. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah, it's all over the place. Okay. It, it's mostly, I think, people just saw like, oh, they're doing a thing. Time for me to jump off without really looking and paying attention to it. I wonder if it's uh, um, spin-off or miniseries fatigue. Yeah. You know? Uh, um, yeah. And that makes perfect sense. I, I got that fatigue a while ago, and I'm really gun-shy. But I've also been paying more attention to what's been going on in the Green Lantern comic book and, and actually going back and looking at things he said earlier, because you kind of have to do that with Morrison. Yeah, exactly. So I'm, like, I'm really curious about the, the Black Stars, because or Dark Stars, rather, because I, I... Black always, Stars. Is, did I say... It's Black Stars. Oh, wait. But they usually are Dark oh. Stars. But the title's called Black Stars, though. Yeah. Oh, I thought they were the... Okay, it was in the 80s, 90s, it was Dark Stars. There right? was Dark Stars. And they were supposed to be like a secondary answer to the... Yeah. 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 The Travis Cherist and... Yeah, the yeah. Harsher team. Yeah. And Donna Troy was one of them That's for right. a while. Yeah, yeah. yeah. See, I, okay, is that the same entity as such? I'm not entirely sure because I'm behind on, on the on the okay. Green Lantern right now because right. I know that they did bring back the Dark Stars, but they were doing something like much harsher. And so the Green Lantern Corps stood up to them in the uh, most recent stuff. Okay, well... Clearly, I'm going to read it, and now I have to read it because uh, I, I need to get answers to all these questions. <laughs> so, uh, Green Lantern number 12 is, will be released October 2nd, and Black Stars number 1 will follow on November 6th. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, and you're probably right. I'm sure there's another... Grant Morrison will continue on with yeah. Green Lantern after that. It's a, When he did his Batman run, they kept on relaunching it, but it's still him. It's still the same story, so this is just going to be confusing. But it'll be the same thing. <laughs> oh, talking yeah. about the Leviathan stuff. Uh, yeah, well, yeah, because he, he did he did the core Batman, then he did uh, Batman and Robin, and then he did Return of Bruce Wayne, and it's all one thing, but it's right. split up into all these little bits and pieces. So they'll just do it again with Green Lantern, you know. <laughs> so all right, moving on. Jeff Loeb had an interview with Deadline.com, and what I found interesting is that the the coming up for Marvel uh, Marvel TV shows is that there's going to be a live action Ghost Rider, which we've already had in film form, starring right. Nicolas Cage. And uh, has there been another Ghost Rider? He was in the Shield, Shield. TV series. Oh, yeah. okay. And I, I all I only I never watched Shield. All I remember is Nick Cage's. Yeah. I missed him as well. But the rumor I heard was that they had to cut him from the series because he was too expensive to animate. Uh, that would make sense because <laughs> yeah. they did a pretty good job of animating yeah. him. I think we probably talked about that in the past. Yeah. That sounds I, vaguely familiar. And I meant I mean I watched the Shield show up to the third season, and I really enjoyed it. I just lost you know and it's yeah. on netflix now and i should just get back on they're them. long seasons yeah they're, and they are they're not they're not <laughs> yeah. they're not streaming platform seasons they're like 30 episodes yeah I mean, it's that's a commitment yeah um no the 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 ghostwriter that they did is the the one with the car and they did a good job with him mm -hmm. that his whole story and his character was well done so if that's the one that they're focusing on that could be interesting there's but, also going to be an animated howard the duck uh, yeah. <laughs> i'm just curious what they're going to do what they're what are they going to do with Howard? Are, are they, uh, you know, is it going to? I'm hoping it's a social satire. I'm, I'm hoping it's a really biting sociopolitical satire, but it won't be because it's Disney, All right? But it's also there was that Howard the Duck that appeared at the end of um, the Avengers movies, mm -hmm. and like, where is that in the next 
phase of Marvel of the MCU is that Howard? was just a, a test and a bait and switch. Because yeah. <laughs> I think they wanted to seed the idea of or float the idea of doing a Howard movie, but it's see what the reactions would be. So much stigma around Howard as a movie because. I don't know. Have you seen that episode we did of, of the panel jumper about Howard the Duck? <laughs> Have I seen it? <laughs> I lived it, my friend. <laughs> Where, you know, it's there's it, a, a boatload of stigma around that movie. Let's yeah. face it, it was the first Marvel movie ever made, and it left a big stink on on Marvel as a cinematic property going forward. Mm-hmm. Um, and and that's how people know Howard. Um, and yeah. it's really unfortunate because although at, we at its are, core, it's a he's a fun character. We're turning a couple generations since then, yeah. and it could be that. I mean, I was talking with Ben. I I, I work with somebody who still hasn't seen uh, Big Trouble in Little China, and and like there's there's gonna be people who are just like I've heard of this Howard the Duck, but I'm not if if it's not on the streaming service, I may not go watch it. Um, but for some people who are much younger than I, it, it's it's a film that they watched. On you know on repeat, um, on VHS or whatever, oh, yeah. um, because it was kind of considered a family film. Howard the uh, Duck, yeah, even with uh, the duck boobs, even with the duck boobs, <laughs> yep. Yeah. And, uh, and my mom let me see it when I was young. So. You know, uh, uh, akin to Neverending Story and Labyrinth and those film and Goonies that were that were part of that you know eighties uh, nostalgia for um, people who are much younger than I. <laughs> Uh, so there's that too. I'm curious. I'm just what kind of take they're going to take, because I didn't watch. I didn't read the Chip Zdarsky um, series. At I all. loved it. Did you? I did. What did you love about it? Uh, Zdarsky has this really weird thing where you you don't want to take him seriously because of his previous body of work, and then he'll make you cry because he can actually tell very emotionally charged, character driven story. Hmm. So he did a couple within that run, and then he also has this running gag about Peter Carker, Carker, P- Peter Parker, mm-hmm. who every time somebody dies next to him, he or near him, he just breaks down and starts crying about Uncle Ben. So I will always accept. Uh, that part of Peter into my head canon that he just can't deal with loss and he'll just break down crying about Have Uncle Ben. Have you put those uh, Zdarsky stories in trades? Yep. Okay. Yeah. I should probably read There's those. A couple I, of them. I'm afraid I just was, I said I can't afford it and yeah. part of it was a little bit snobbish too. Mm-hmm. So I'm guessing that the Howard the Duck, if it's not a biting satire, it'll be more towards an adult themed show than like uh-huh. a kid's Howard the Duck. It'll it be like a Bojack Horseman. Well, I mean, and that would be great, <laughs> See, but you know, Bojack awesome. already exists. But, yes, yes, yeah. But um, tonally, yeah, yeah, tonally, um, it's going to be on Hulu or Disney Plus, one of those two. The other big thing that came out was that there's a going to be a female fronted show, but Jeff Loeb is uh, hesitant to talk about mm. who the character is going to be. But uh, they did talk about uh, maybe it was a different set of news, but they did talk about the new Hawkeye. And it being uh, the character of Kate. Okay. Right? And that's going to be played by Haley Steinfeld, I think. That sounds familiar. And yeah. that's probably, this This article is almost a month old at this point. So, uh, at the point we record this. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, but uh, a lot of people were saying Marvel, uh, they're focusing on Marvel Knights, the, the street-level heroes. A lot of people were saying that was dead when the Netflix shows went away. But... As Jeff Loeb says, they are rising like a phoenix out of the ashes, which I don't re- think is really an apt metaphor. No, yeah. considering how <laughs> they those shows all petered out so badly before the end anyway. I mean, yeah. Almost like they were designed to fail. Uh, 
there's something in the DNA of those <laughs> stories that that was. I, I don't know if it was, that was premeditated, but like uh, they all started out with such promise yeah. and were all very exciting, except for maybe Iron Fist. Right. And even then, you know, some of us did some emotional labor to make that work. But I've not been able to bring myself to watch the second season of of Punisher or the second season of um, Iron Fist. Well, I still I haven't gotten through the first season of Punisher. It's yeah, well, you know, it's really violent. It's dark, dude. It's dark. It's <laughs> violent, and you kind of stop and ask, "What is the purpose of this?" Um, and uh, but and I, even Jessica Jones just was kind of going on forward momentum. Um, yeah. The third season, uh, that I, I could not get as excited about it as I did the first season, even the second season. Anyway, but. Going back to the printed material, Jeff Lemire and Phil Hester are going to be uh, combining on Family Tree uh, for Image. This caught my eye because uh, Lemire is uh, uh, a writer that I like, mm -hmm. and uh, I follow Phil Hester on Twitter, so I feel like He's I'm great. familiar with him. I mm -hmm. love Phil Hester. Um, so what, what's the premise? This little girl's turning into a tree? A and story of an eight-year-old girl who's literally transforming into a tree, forcing her mother, brother, and her possibly insane grandfather on a desperate quest across America to find a cure. So it's like Little Miss Sunshine with Shrubbery. I haven't seen Little Miss Sunshine. Oh sorry. my God, that was the best joke, Ben, and you totally <laughs> killed it because of your lack of interest in my all right, life. All right, all right, oh. give it, give that joke to me again. <laughs> no, it's dead now. It's all dead. <laughs> I'm on, dead. To toss you. the corpse over the table. <laughs> anyway, oh. well, Little Miss Sunshine was a product of its time, but you know. Anyway, let's Wait, move on. Uh... <laughs> all right. Speaking of image. Um, they've announced an original graphic novel called Bog Bodies. Now this caught my eye because yeah, we talked about bog monsters before in the past. Ah, I you see. I thought because maybe I'm thinking of the wrong terminology. I thought it was something else, and then I read the thing, and I'm like, oh, it's not that, but it still sounds interesting. Because what's the term for? Um, they have those forensic farms where they they put bodies into Body the farms, basically. Ah, yeah, that's, that's what yeah. I thought it was. But no, it's it's basically a couple people are trying to run for their lives, and they go into this bog, which is infamous for. Being the dumping grounds for horrible murders or something like that. Oh. Uh, like, mm -hmm. The blurb here is that it centers around an Irish gangster fleeing after a job goes sideways. Uh, both characters are injured and armed and attempting to evade the pursuers while navigating the bog that has served as burial grounds for unspeakable murder throughout history. I'm wondering if it's like, uh, um, like if it's going to be. Fictional murders or non-fictional murders uh, that yeah. they've put in this bog. That could be interesting. Either, yeah. Like, yeah. like we see, like we see uh, characters from history emerging yeah. out of this place. Maybe I'm just making that. When up. I when mm. I think of bogs, I'm always going to think of the peat bog people, the bog people, uh, know, the, yeah. the the mummies that from, and that's in. I can't remember where was that in Ireland. That was in in Wales. Where do they find all those bog bodies? I don't know. They're in every museum in the world. Um, <laughs> Okay. They had so many. They're like, do you want some? Well, yeah, Take them no, they keep hands. unearthing them, too. Yeah. yeah. All right. Well, anyway, um, it's going to hit bookstores in March of 2020. Okay. Woo-woo. Yeah. But, uh... This declines Shelby? So, who's yeah, the, yeah, yeah. I like uh, him. He's good. He did, um, a chunk of Moon Knight with Lemire, I think. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And he did Injection with Warren Ellis? I didn't read that either. Yeah, I think he did. Yeah, Declan Shelby. Yeah. Moon Knight and Injection. 
Good memory, sir. Nice. Sometimes nice. it works. <laughs> Sometimes. And uh, this, I think, is a title uh, that came about just because somebody thought of the title. Yeah. Uh, yeah. He-Man and the Masters of the Multiverse. Yeah. Uh, DC and Mattel are teaming up to uh, to do one of the worst things you can do to a comic book character <laughs> and, and put them in a multiverse mm. and have them, uh, you know... Interact with Interact other with each other. Yeah. yeah, that just seemed kind of problematic because nowhere in the He-Man canon have we done multiverse stories, have we? Not that I'm aware. I'm looking at you guys because I don't care. You know, the thing is, and I don't know how much you want to count this, but the movie actually did because they sure. had a key to the universe. Right. And I think they jumped through the multiverse yeah. with it. I, I they know, think they used that. You are term. absolutely right. And that occurred to me as soon as I <laughs> released that from my maw. Well, the other thing is like, okay, He-Man characters are not sort of, you know, designed to have a great deal of depth, but... You know, when you're just meeting different variations of a, of the same dude mm -hmm. in a comic book, how much opportunity do you have to like, you know, yeah. flesh out them characters? Mm -hmm. They just all better have really cool manly man costumes. Yes, yes. Like a lot of loincloths, a lot of <laughs> bandoliers. I just want them to meet a whole bunch of different versions of Skeletor. And just have a Skeletor party. And isn't it truly that's the <laughs> only reason to read the comic? And if they can give us the, the Frank Langella Skeletor, then it's all good. Yeah, it was. Uh, it's know? on Comet TV uh, on repeat, and every once in a while I'll catch it, and I, and I look at it and I go, you know, this is a really fun bubblegum movie, and I forget that it's based on the cartoon because hmm. I'm looking at the great. Um, Skeletor makeup and his garish metal costume. It's so great at the end. And, uh, and everybody's just... And, and the lovely thing about that movie, top to bottom, everybody's totally committed to what they're doing. They are. <laughs> they're not. And 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 your heart kind of breaks for mm -hmm. Dolph Lundgren because he's so 110% committed he's to this character. Yeah. That was... Yeah, I mean, they were they were building that up to be the next big franchise. franchise. Star Wars. Sure. They wanted to yeah. be Star Wars. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, no. <laughs> anyway, speaking of Star Wars, uh, it's ending with issue number 75 in November. Um, this is, I'm assuming, just the Star Wars title. The core one, yeah. Yeah, and uh, so it says it, it's, it is set in the events between episode four and episode five. So I'm assuming episode 75 is going to be like right before Empire starts. Are the, is, is it on track to do something like that? I haven't been Not reading. Really. I've been reading it from the beginning. Um, it's just gotten boring and sad. Mm. Um, really? Uh, or stale because, uh, you know, it started with Jason Aaron. Aaron, did he not write? Uh, some of the Star Wars comics for Dark Horse. I don't think he did. Well, he there were. Every, I I did not have the money, the wherewithal to follow all the Dark Horse comics. In fact, I gave up on them. Yeah. But now I look back and go, the, you know, there were some really good stories happening there, and interesting characters who are now, you know, part of the not even part of the EU. They don't exist mm -hmm. because they got purged um, when the Disney purchase happens. But uh, when it comes to like doing this kind of licensed property. In, in in stories that fall between, um, you know, um, st stories that you know, uh, like the Bible, <laughs> uh, it's it's kind of tough because you can't challenge the status quo. Mm. Aaron is such a good writer that he did a, a good job of challenging it, but um, some of the plots would be stretched so thin. Mm. Um, and uh, the one of the things I loved about the comic book was doing things like, yeah, they meet Darth Vader. Mm. You know, they get into combat situations with Darth Vader um, uh, between 
A New Hope and Empire. At least maybe not directly, but he is there right. on the scene. He's actively hunting yeah, down. He's actively Luke. hunting um, 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 Luke, or you know, uh, and they there's a the, the presence of the rebels is known and they are identified. And those are things back in the old Marvel comic that they you know kind of played fast and loose with because I think they were much more strict about wh- how they could tell the stories because Lucas hadn't written the movies yet. Right. Um, and I reading the current one that Greg Pack is uh, the current storyline that Greg Pack is writing, which and I think he's a he's a he's a really good artist and. What I, dawned on me because I was actually reading them this morning. Um, he has incorporated more um, Asian identified characters into the story, and I'm like, "Well, good on you." And then it occurred to me, "Well, it's it's too bad they're canceling your the 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 comic when you're working on your stories because you are incorporating these characters that, since it's under the umbrella of Disney, they're canon." Hmm. Um, and, How long has Greg Pak been on the title? Uh, I don't think very long. I think um, Kieran Gillen was right before yeah, him. Kieran Gillen was after. Um, Aaron. Aaron. And yeah. I didn't really care for Gillen's stories. They're the ones that I got the most bored with. And frankly, I was going to drop the title before too long. You know, And when they announced it, I was like, I'm not going to shed any tears. Um, <laughs> You're like, might as well finish it. Because I got it. tired. I'm sorry? You were like, might as well finish. Yeah, I yeah, might as well finish. And the now the end tired. is in sight. The <laughs> end is in sight. But, um, you know, they will reignite with, with inspired stories like the, the Vader... Was it Vader Rising? Vader, Vader Down? Vader Down. Vader Down. Vader, Vader, Vader Down. Vader Down. Yeah. No, specifically that. <laughs> it, was, it was somewhere on the, the scale of height. Um, <laughs> but the Vader Down story. It was a direction. <laughs> <laughs> we're really good and actually quite scary because mm-hmm. there's a moment that I will never forget where he like, uh, he wipes out a whole battalion of rebels, um, yeah. you know, uh, with a wave of his... Force amoeba hands. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> force amoeba hands? Yeah, you know, the uh, midichlorians, they're just force amoebas. Uh, yeah. So this is something worth mentioning, because nobody's really talking about this, at least that I've read, about the why they're ending it. And I mean, it's it's time for a reboot, basically. But the other thing is, well, uh, I've been seeing some speculation about what the next movie's going to be. And uh, because there's some scary things of J.J. Uh, uh, Abrams basically, and I won't say the exact words because you'd have to bleep them, but him, him basically being like, uh, screw it. And so people are thinking they're going to do a Star Trek, like a time tra- a time travel. Oh, God. And reboot the whole franchise because there's a they can't keep relying on that this particular set of the stories. Mm-hmm. They have to do something else with new actors. Mm-hmm. So it's either you're going to move forward in time which is like Dark Horse did. They did like the Legacy series. Right. Or you do a Star Trek and you introduce a new alternate timeline and you recast all the main characters. But didn't they already do that with this latest trilogy by introducing Ray and all the other characters? But they overlap. They overlap. Well, yeah, and that was are, a way to, you know, yeah. to, and to it's still all, the audience with them. Yeah, but it's still, you you relied too much on having all the original actors come back mm-hmm. and having to tell the story to the point where you're CGIing the ones that died back into it. Well, um, what Chris is saying really scares me because that's you know for some reason with star trek it's okay because as star trek as a canon has played with time travel for so long they even have time police it's time travel tuesday you know right but star trek that's not the way that universe works Um, or star wars I'm sorry. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. That's so that's not the way the universe works in Star Wars. I'm a little nervous, but that's the thing. They've almost never have ever touched on time travel in any of the continuities in any form. No. So it would be 
innovative to, no. for them to do. I know that's not the right word. It would be was, dumb. Was Ryan Johnson's film really that bad? I think it's um, not that. I think no, J.J. Abrams has to feel like he needs to reboot everything. No, because it's his last one. I think it's not because the previous one was too bad. It's because he's just like, well, well, we're going out. I'm going to do what I do best. Uh. And that's reboot something with time travel. I hope they don't do that. I think the thing that Disney is up against is that there was a bit of genius and a bit of hackneyed genius. I know it's a contradiction, but, Mm. you know, bear with me. And and what Abrams did, he just just gave us all the things that we liked uh, about Star Wars in the first one and didn't even bat an eye about it. I have a lot of trouble with um, with the second one with uh, 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 what is the second one called? The Last Jedi. Jedi. Oh, man. It's, I'm already, it's so that's how much you loved it. Last Jedi. And the next one is called The, the Rise of Skywalker. The Rise of Skywalker, which seems problematic because there's only one Skywalker left, which is, I don't understand. Anyway, my point being is that with our new Skywalker. trilogy, we had a torch passing. And, yeah. and the way that Disney wants to keep cranking these films out, you know, if we're going to start a new, a, with a new family, we need some we need some time to assess a new family and that's what this film either needs to be or it needs to take a break and they can't take a break they can't b- take a break for 10 years and let the kids who grew up watching the Abrams trilogy grow up and 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 suffer you no. know terminal toxic nostalgia like they have for no, my because we have to have the Mandalorian TV yeah. show that's right yeah. we do and what, yeah yeah whatever's whatever's gonna happen in the movie I do not see Disney putting the brakes on the franchise no. they may have stopped these offshoots that they've been doing but the main films we are gonna get one every two years yeah regardless it's better than every year but yeah. still um you know I, I i hate to say it but that they're gonna burn out the franchise and it's already happening with the the star wars disney uh park it's did not hit the numbers that they were anticipating for a number of reasons mm-hmm. you know mm-hmm. and i'm afraid that it's like yeah the 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 shine is the shine is off the uh the, the silver. <laughs> I like to say, though, that that won't stop them from uh, milking a dead horse. No, it will not. Because <laughs> they still don't care if it's the wrong animal, and they don't care if it's dead. They're going to keep going. And it's going to be interesting to see what happens, which is why I can't entirely poo-poo your theory about the, the time travel alternate I won't reality. take credit for me. It's it's uh, There were people online that had it's it. It's just that it's, it's so asinine that I have trouble stomaching it. So. Basically, they were trying to figure out what was the stupidest thing you could do because <laughs> no, yeah. they they predicted they predicted almost the entire plot of Han Solo correctly by applying that logic, and well, it's just like, uh oh. <laughs> you know, bear in mind that Lucas had has made public some of his story ideas from the past that were excruciatingly awful. One of them is that the immediate sequel to Star Wars was going to be them coming to our universe. No. It was going to be Battlestar Galactica. That was talked about. The other one was that they were going to, you know, it was going to turn into the Fantastic Voyage and they were going to actually go into the sub-micro universe and meet the midichlorians who bring us the Force. These the are magic like, Millennium Falcon. That's right. <laughs> <Thank you. laughs> You know, these are all ideas that he floated, that he that he actually considered. Um, it's because he is horrible. He is horrible, <laughs> and his really the genius of George Lucas is that he surrounded himself with people yes. who knew how to tell a good story. His wife knew how to edit. Yes, she sure did. <laughs> she sure did. Anyway, so the Star Wars title is coming to an end. What other Star Wars titles still exist that people can read? Oh, Doc, Doc Afra is still going to keep going afterwards. Um, 
but that's about it. They're doing a series of one shots for like uh, character specific bits from the movies. So like we just got in. Uh, what was the name of the bad guy that I liked? He's the main bad guy who got sliced in half. There's Kylo Ren. There's um, sliced in half. Oh, uh, um, the the big guy. Yeah, the Liberace of space. <laughs> I loved him because he was so fabulous. Uh, but now I can't remember his name. Huxley. Anyway, oh, if you know the uh, name, email us at perfectboundpodcast at gmail dot com. Anyway, yeah. so him, I can look it up. Oh, that's okay. Yeah. But uh, this is one of those moments where it's like we got to pause this because <laughs> I can't think of it either. But that's about all the other. other oh wait, he's right there. Uh, no wait, no those Ray Rose Tickle. Never mind. Anyway, um, there's not going to be that many Snoke. others. Snoke, yeah, Snoke. You got. It. I was like. <laughs> Scope. I'm so Pope. glad we solved that. Yes. Oh man, all the Star Wars fans. Uh, so they did hate us. They're doing one shots of all those characters. So you yeah. know, you could do those. There's going to be some comic called like Rise of Something again. Uh, that's going to connect like loose plot lines from the movie from the previous stuff. Um, so that's that's a battle. But Doc Gaffer will be the main thing for now. And she's kind of a fun character because she makes evil evil robots, and she's. She's immoral. Evil Indiana Jones. Yeah, she's evil Indiana Jones. She was a character they created um, uh, after the Disney takeover and got incorporated into the comics. And but she and she has not appeared in any medium outside the comics. But she has her own. She has a toy now. Yep, she has her own (laughs) action. And the evil robots she created have you know have. Special toys. Cool. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, there will there will always be Star Trek proper or Star Star yeah, Wars really. properties <laughs> to uh, to enjoy. Let's move on to book report, everybody. And okay. Cole Hornaday, let's start with you. Um, okay. Well, I uh, I got uh, my hands on Marvel Comics one thousand uh, with the uh, Alex Ross cover. Mm-hmm. Um, the cover states eighty years, eighty creative teams, one universe. Um, this and uh, I, the main uh, writer uh, is uh, Al Ewing, mm-hmm. who I really enjoy. Uh, really enjoyed his work on um, Immortal Hulk mm-hmm. and that sort of thing. And he always delivers. Um, and this is a this is a pretty dense book, but um, I got to tell you, it's probably one of the most grotesque editorial messes I've ever seen in my life. Um, it's all because over the place. It, it starts out, uh, and you know, I've not been very quiet about my concerns about. Uh, the corporate rewriting of the Marvel brand. And I know a lot of folks are like, Cole, why do you care? It's like, well, because I always get nervous when someone rewrites history of any kind because they're lying to you. Does it matter? Um, yeah, when it's real bald-faced effort at, at a money grab, and that's what this book is to me. Um, it starts out, and it's actually kind of cool because it reaches back to the original Marvel Comics, which, you know, was not a Marvel comic. It was timely. Um, and Marvel Comics, all under the uh, flag, uh, the uh, leadership of uh, Martin Goodwin, went through lots of different names. It's Timely, Atlas, and now Disney is sort of trying to reach back through time and tell you differently. And I think that's what makes me uncomfortable, too. But this starts out kind of fun um where you know the first page is 1939 and you get a uh Oh, by the by, it's all one-page contributions. Some of them written by Al Ewing, but all different artists, which is which is sort of fun. Um, and you know, and the, it, it starts out, and they've got one page devoted to 1939 and the original Human Torch, and then the second page is 1940, and it's these three guys called the Three X's, and they make their first appearance in Mystic Comics. So you're kind of getting these cool little landmarks that I'm not familiar with. But as you go forward in time, it starts to get kind of messy. 
and you realize that however they put this together was not particularly well organized. It's like the editors sent out, did an open call, like, hey, you want to contribute to this? Throw th something in. Because then it kind of falls apart as far as like historical landmarks or, or um, you know, recognition of, of, of things, and, and they stick in a page that's devoted to Star Wars. And then we meet this, uh, this character called the Black Rider, who is a real character that first appeared in all Western tales in 1948. And they start seeding um, every so many pages this, uh, that there have been characters in the Marvel universe um, for 80 years who have worn this magical, uh, mystical black mask. Mm -hmm. And that's, it's existed, you know, since the, the dawn of time and uh, is worn by different heroic, heroic figures, which is like, well, you know, that's okay, uh, but you, I don't really care because you're not really telling me anything about who this character is. And you're trying to retroactively create some type of, of history. And we've done that so many times and in better ways with books like, you know, The Century and things like that. So um, uh, I just felt like this was really kind of an awkward mess. And um, there is some nice artwork, uh, but I just really felt like it was more kind of ham-fisted um, corporate rebranding, which, you know, me and probably two other guys care about. Uh, so, uh, but for, you know, 10 bucks, I... Uh, I think they could have done a better job of being more consistent in their storytelling. Um, if you want me to care about the history of the company that you're contriving, you know, be consistent with how you're lying to me. <laughs> I will say, so if you only read the Al Ewing pages in order, yeah. that's a great story. Sure. And then if you take everything else, it's just an anthology on top of it. And it's yeah. like, oh, okay, yeah. give take. Um, I'm more interested by the fact that the, the mask is a piece of eternity. Mm, um, fair point. The, the cosmic character eternity, which yeah. goes back to older Al Ewing comics. Mm. So he's been seeding a lot of background stuff. Okay. And he brings back the character of the Blue Marvel, the the Black Superman. Right. And that's, that's a promise that we'll be seeing more of that character. Okay. So I'm I'm down with that. All right. Um, I was not familiar with the 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 Blue Marvel or any of that stuff. Oh, so. you're gonna want to go look look him up soon. Really? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Especially just uh, because of the next episode of the panel jumper you're doing. Um, so I'll tell you more about that later. <laughs> All right. Cool. Marvel Marvel Comics 1000. Thank you, Cole. Well, I'm going to go next. All right. I uh, I get here early uh, because I overplan and I don't like to be in a rush. So I got here super early and I read a tune book by Kevin McCloskey called Ants Don't Wear Pants. What? And I was absolutely charmed. It's really cute. By this book. And it's it's a quick read. It's um it's $13 um and I read it in about two and a half minutes. <laughs> but it's basically it's 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 sort of like there's a demonization of insects uh, when it comes to children, I feel. Mm -hmm. And so this is just like uh, just telling uh, a way to tell kids, look, ants are great. Ants are good for the ecosystem. Um, and so it's about this this kid who, who's got ants in his pants and uh, he and his friends shrink down and visit an ant colony and they're taught about all the ants. It's, uh, it's actually illustrated on recycled grocery bags and so all the dialogue have this obvious like white out white background which is a really neat idea uh and one of the and it tells you like what all the little ants do like the life cycle like the the queen lays all the eggs and the you know males ants that do this and the female ants do this the page that got me though was um 
it's uh, it says they tap each other with their antenna to share news, and you see these two ants, and one says, "I need a hug." <laughs> so I took a look through that too, and there's they they even touch on the fact that they are a slave culture, <laughs> that they enslave other creatures. They do it in a nice, happy way in this book. Yeah, and then they pheromones. also yeah, and then they also talk about the uh, the exploding ones too. So how, yeah, and how many of us have been slaved to another pheromones anyway? Right. Well, yeah, yeah. There's even a page with a thousand ants, and I, I'm not going to count wow. them all, but I'm guessing that Mr. McCloskey actually drew a thousand little tiny ants. I mean, how long does it take to draw an ant? Um, but there's a ghost ant that goes boo. Hmm. And, uh, the, yeah, they raise and milk tiny insects, which is the, uh, the yeah. slave culture that you're talking about. <laughs> yeah. And uh, the exploding ants is all about self-defense. Mm -hmm. And uh, they cover their enemy in their yellow goo. Elephants are afraid of them. It shows you what ants eat and what eats ants. And, of course, the ant eaters eat ants. And one's like, why don't we ever order a pizza? <laughs> The other one says, we're anteaters. And then the first anteater says, okay, how about a pizza with extra ants? And uh, I really loved Ants Don't Wear Pants, a tune book by Kevin McCloskey. It says on the front, giggle and learn. I'm going to search this guy out because he's got a, a couple other books. The tune books are great because they, if you look in the back page, they're, they're uh, divided by levels. Yeah. And they completely break down like what age groups and like how much is in uh, what what you can expect from each level, and uh, they've had a uh, um, Jeff Smith do a really cute one about a mouse in there too. So there's they they got some great talent. Hmm. There's one called the real poop on pigeons. I got that too. And uh, yeah, and there's also a page called uh, what, that says how to read comics with kids. And uh, so yeah, if you're a parent and you have kids, and you want to get them into comics. Check out Ants Don't Wear Pants and any other Kevin McCloskey books. Mm -hmm. All righty, Chris Casso, what do you got? Uh, I read a book that uh, just popped up a couple weeks ago called uh, Taxi: Stories from the Back Seat, and it is written by Amy DeJong, and uh, it is basically uh, four moments in time through her life where she took a taxi ride and they alternate between them. Mm -hmm. And it's just about the different people that she interacted with. So it's just very slice of life. Um, and uh, it's interesting because like some of the taxi drivers immediately are like very personable and you could tell like, oh yeah, you're going to share us a story. And then there's one that like just does not want to talk to her and I kind of feel, for, I, I kind of like that guy. <laughs> <laughs> just because she's, uh, she's younger at that point in time and she just won't really stop talking and uh, but later on like he starts talking because they listen to something on NPR about how bad Uber is and, and somebody being attacked by an Uber driver and uh, so you just get different uh, looks through the windows of these people's lives and uh, as they share things with their passenger there's a guy that she met in Jakarta and at first he's a little aggressive towards her because um, she's from Holland and he's like oh yeah we were occupied by you guys a little while ago you know and uh, but then he just starts randomly sharing uh, the fact that his father died with her and they start talking about family so uh, it's it's one of those books that I generally don't go for because it's sharing the the human experience and, and <laughs> I don't know I'm pessimistic and hate humans um, but it is very heartwarming and it's very well done she has a great style she uh, she captures the emoting of faces uh, faces spectacularly
spectacularly. Um, and uh, she did another book uh, called The Return of the Honey Buzzard, which uh, I remember seeing and just never moved on. So now, now I am motivated. Hmm. So uh, it is published by Conundrum International. I think this is her... This is her debut autobiographical work, but I think it's her like third work, and uh, it's like seventeen bucks. It's it's a relatively quick read, but it is very um, engaging. So yeah, cool. Recommend Taxi Ser- Stories from the Backseat. All right, cool. Thank you, Chris. Well, that is Book Report, and that is our show. Coming up is Quiz Time. But before we go, I want to tell you that the Pregnant Podcast is brought to you by The Panel Jumper. See everything Cole Hornaday and I do at thepaneljumper.com, as well as Come Extension here at 319 Northeast 45th Street in beautiful downtown Wallingford, or 24 hours a day, seven days a week at comicsengine.com. Subscribe to the show on Apple Podcasts or however you get your shows at perfectboundpodcast.com. Send us an email at perfectboundpodcast at gmail.com. And now, friends, get your quiz hats on. It's quiz time. And this week, the questions come to us from Mr. Cole Hornaday. Hey, lay down us, Cole. Okay. Uh, well, this uh, particular quiz time was inspired by nothing other than my fondness for stories of the coming robopocalypse and the fact that I was at a total loss for material. So I give you quiz time devoted to movie robots, Andrews, cyborgs, and gynoids. Gynoids. That, it's a thing. Gynoids. Uh, okay, so these are <laughs> going like to be disease. multiple choice as well. So what's that? That sounds like a growth of something. No, it's oh, okay. it's it's a it's a rope. Okay, well, you'll you'll find out. Okay. Um, this title cyborg was nearly killed by a gang who worked for an evil corporation. The evil corporation then bought the police department and built him a new improved body. Was this A Robocop? Well, excuse me, A Time Cop. B Robocop. C Ultraman or D Terminator. Robocop. Robocop. That's right. Robocop was first adapted to film in 1987 and directed by Paul Verhoeven. It spawned two sequels, an animated series, and a, and a one lame remake. Also a TV series. And a toy series. Yep, and a toy series. Uh, this government experiment was found wandering with amnesia and given to a foster family where he learned to be a real boy like Pinocchio. Until the government showed up, that is. Was it an android identified by the acronym... Larry, Daryl, Sam, or Alfie? Daryl. Daryl, which stood for Data Analyzing Robot Youth 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 Life Form. The two youths. <laughs> was released in 1985. It received lackluster write-ups, and a 1985 reviewer for the New York Times wrote, the best, we, we can say, the best that can be said about Daryl is that it's inoffensive. Hmm. Godzilla fought this giant robot in the movie Godzilla versus fill in the blank. Was it Cyber Godzilla, Robo Godzilla, Mecha Godzilla, or Godzilla Tron? Oh, I like Godzilla Tron. Mecha Godzilla? Mecha Godzilla. Mecha Godzilla was originally released in 1974 and was also marketed on the by the titles Godzilla versus the Bionic Monster and Godzilla versus the Cosmic Monster. This, I, want, I want Godzilla versus the Bionic Man, and it would just be like Godzilla versus Bambi. I like Godzilla Tron. Yeah. Godzilla Tron meets Jet Jaguar. Um, this android was a hot, sexy robot wife or gynoid until she was broken. <laughs> Until she was broken during an unfortunate lovemaking incident. The movie was a quest to find her exact replacement. Was the sex bot called Cherry 2000, Barbie 2000, Trixie 2000, or Mary 2000? Cherry. 
Jerry 2000 was released in 1988 and starred Melanie Griffith, David Andrews, and the star of all stars, Tim Thomerson. Oh, and Pamela Gidley. Originally meant for 1985 release, the film was repeatedly shelled because of its odd combo of genre styles and themes, which stumped the marketing team at Orion. You know, and I bet you that film would have just saved Orion's ass, but <laughs> poor Orion. Uh, I was th- it was not actually seen on the big screen until a film festival in like Prague in 2017. Really? And you can catch nearly you can catch it nearly every weekend on Comet TV. Lastly, and thank you for holding heard, your breath. I've never you. heard of that film. Cherry I saw 2000. that when I was like eight oh, or nine gosh. or something. Wow. It's yeah. marvelously awful. <laughs> um, the, the, lastly, these, uh, these title women were unwittingly changed into robots by their husbands in order to create a utopian community. Were they the Stepford Wives, the Milford Wives, the Branford Wives, or the Hannaford Wives? Stepford Wives. The Stepford Wives is based on a 1972 novel by Ira Levin. The story has been adapted to film twice. First in 1975, starring Catherine Ross, Paula Prentice, and Pete Masterson. And later in 2004, starring Nicole Kidman, Matthew Broderick, Bette Midler, and Christopher Walken. This quiz time was in part lifted from the fun trivia website, uh, but I did my own embellishments. However, I, as is my want, turned it into a fulfilling learning experience for all of us. There you go. Indeed. Well, thank you, Cole, and thank you for listening, and we will see you next week. 